Today we are talking about offense. John Bevere uh, is a pastor. Uh, he's an author, author, Christian author. Um, he writes all different kinds of material. But I think one of his best and one of his best selling is actually a book called The Bait of Satan. And so scary title, right? Uh, but it's called The Bait of Satan. And the book talks about how um, the trap or the derailment or the hindrance of being a person who lives in offense or lives in bitterness or lives in unforgiveness uh, is such a huge disservice uh, to how God created you to live. Um, the scripture actually says this. It says that in these last days, and many people have different opinions about are we living in the last days and is Jesus coming back soon? Uh, and there's all sorts of things that you could say about that. I would lean more so on the Yes, like Jesus is coming back, and it's pretty obvious to look at some of the prophecy and say it's sooner than later, wouldn't you agree? Um, and so that's nothing to get fearful about because the scripture actually says in the last day he's going to pour himself out. He's going to empty himself on the earth. So it's greater revival at the end time. Are you with me? So that's cool. But uh, what one thing it says is it says in the last days uh, there's going to be many... Um, who are swept away or caught up in seducing spirits. There's going to be these seducing spirits in these last days. And I could kind of tell you what I think some of them are. Some of them are pretty easy to see. You could say, oh, this has kind of gotten rampant in the world and especially in our country. You could name a few things. But I could tell you for sure one of those seducing spirits that's mentioned uh, in Scripture as in the end times, be careful to not be seduced and, and pulled away by this kind of spirit. I guarantee you, I promise you, it's this spirit of offense. People being offended, getting offended about everything. I'm always offended. Are you with me? And, uh, and so I'm saying uh, it's something we got to keep our eye on. It's something we got to watch out for. John Bevere says in his book that he believes uh, the biggest, you could attribute offense, unforgiveness, bitterness. Uh, he would actually say that um, being offended is actually one of the biggest blessing blockers to every Christian. It's not because... Uh, you know, oh, you know, we, we missed the blessing of God because we didn't have opportunity or we weren't smart enough or we weren't whatever. It's because we allowed bitterness and offense to stay in our lives and it hindered and it blocked us from being able to receive and hear what God has for us. Can I get amen? And so for us sitting here today, it's time for us to go like, okay, we don't want to fall away into this uh, seducing spirit of offense and bitterness and anger um, and choosing sides and going after each other. Like we, we don't want to fall into that. So what do we what do we need to do? And I'm actually if you're taking notes, you should write this down. Um, I don't think it's possible. OK, I don't think it's possible to actually fix somebody who's offended. Like, I don't think there's any sermon that I could teach you and give you all the tools and be like, all right, now you go over there and you fix that offended person. Uh, I think God needs to do it, but I also think the person has to be ready to say, like, you know what, I got to do this, okay? So one of the ways that I think we can be better in the world, and one of the ways that I think that we can do this better is if we take a look at ourselves. We can all focus on us first. That will work itself out. Our priority right now is to make sure we aren't a people of offense. Can I hit an Amen. And so, man, we live in a world of offense. Psalm 51.12 says this, Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Obviously, the scripture is saying, like, you get saved, you get connected into the things of God, you're walking a certain way. There's a joy that comes with it. There's a freedom that walks in that. I think many of us, you know, we would say, yeah, I have that as a testimony of my life, that there's freedom in salvation. But there's also seasons where that joy tries to get stolen and knocked down, and trampled, and saying, Lord, restore the joy of your salvation in my life. Help, help, help put me on a way that I can be sustained through this. This should be all of our prayers, because we're not called to be bitter scorekeepers. Are you with me today? 
We're offended about everything. I feel like my life as a pastor these days has like little to do with navigating scripture, little to do with navigating like causes and things God's called us as a church to be a part of. I literally spend all my days navigating people's offenses. You're closing the church? I'm offended. You're opening the church? I'm offended. Should I, send my skid, should I send my kid to school? Well, yeah, if you want to. I'm offended. Should I homeschool? Yeah, if you want to. If God to. I'm offended. Everything is offensive. Everybody's offended. Oh, he changed his profile picture to a square black box. I'm offended. Oh, he supports the police. I'm offended. Everybody's offended. Remember the good old days when you used to disagree with somebody and you could still be friends? Man, those were the good old days. It's like, oh, hey, oh, we disagree on this? Ah, cool. Let's go get something to eat. But now, oh, we disagree on something? I'm going to kill you. You're not going to kill them, but you're actually going to bury them in relationship, aren't you? Uh, it is insane, the, the place that we've got to with offenses. I mean, we're literally fighting as a government. I'm offended you want to pay them that much in stimulus. I'm offended you want to do that with stimulus. We're just printing money anyway. Just Scrooge McDuckett. Let's just jump out there. What does it matter? Why are we offended? Just give everybody money. I'm kidding. I know it doesn't work like that. Somebody's like, he needs to learn about government. Everybody's offended about something. I have people literally pastor. I'm just so offended. I'm just upset. You don't click on my Facebook stuff enough. You don't click on my stuff as much as you click on other people's stuff. I've been noticing how you do this kind of stuff. Like, oh my gosh, now we're offended about how I use my own personal Facebook. So actually what I did is I got smart. I don't click on anybody's anymore. I give the phone to my kids. I click on everything, guys. Just go on my Facebook, click on everything. So if I clicked on any of your stuff, it was Callie, the baby. It wasn't me. For nine months, I haven't clicked on any of your stuff. So, Proverbs 19 says this, verse 11. It says this, good sense makes one slow to anger. We all want good sense. Your tombstone should be, man, what a wise person. What a, you know, they really carried themselves well through this earth. Good sense, a good sense person. Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Do you notice it's, a, it's not a capital H? It's a little H. It, it is to your glory. It is to your advantage. It is to your benefit when you are a person who overlooks an offense. It's a little one. It's to your advantage that you overlook an offense. And so be someone who's of sense. Don't be quick to be angry. Don't be quick to go get somebody. Don't be quick to be somebody who can say, you know what? I'm going to take a breath here. I'm going to use logic. It is to my advantage if I learn to overlook an offense. I wrote it down like this. Usually what offends the mind reveals the heart. Usually when we go, ah, I don't like this. I'm offended. And I'm not talking about terrible things that are happening to you. Like there's injustices, certainly. I'm not talking about the big things. But I'm talking about all these minors that we go, I'm offended. Wow, I can't, I'm so offended. A lot of times those first reactions, those offenses are revealing the heart. I think we got to be careful with the generation. I'm going to be careful how I say this too, but we got to be careful with the generation. We saw where we gave everybody trophies and everybody won, right? 
and nobody had accountability and nobody could ever do anything wrong and nobody could ever. And I actually think that there was some balance in that because I do believe people rise or fall to the level of your praise. So I do think we need to create cultures where we're, we're calling people up versus the old school of maybe you played in sports of like, kid, run, puke, ah, you know, like kids like, oh my God. But we did this generation of, and, and I feel bad for teachers we did this generation of everybody was, everything was somebody else's fault. Back in the day, you guys have heard this. Back in the day, I didn't get good grades. My parents were like, what's wrong with you? You didn't get good grades. What do you need to do? Now if someone gets wrong grades, they're going into the teacher. What are you doing? Why aren't you? Are you with me? We've removed accountability, okay? And so what I'm trying to say, everybody gets a trophy. There's no accountability. And here's what offense really happens. A lot of times when offense hits somebody, it's because accountability or truth got presented in their life. And so we raised this whole generation on everyone gets a trophy and everybody gets a But when truth comes in, they're like, oh, truth, accountability, I'm offended. <laughs> and then they do all the other things and they get loud on social media and they do all the things. Because why? Because sometimes offense actually just reveals our heart. So we got to be, and here's the, here's the part that goes with that. And then I'll get into a couple points for us, which is this. Offense is an event. Offended is a choice. We can get offended on things. Like you, you, There's things that offend us. We're going to talk about that. There's times that you just kind of move on from them. There's times that you got to engage them. But offense is an event. It happened. But when we allow ourselves to stay offended, to live offended, it will hinder you. It'll hinder your walk with God. It'll hinder your walk with your family. It will hinder your physical body when you allow offense to stay in your life. Can I get an amen? Yeah. So I got eight, eight for you, eight reasons uh, for us to learn and work and strive to be people who are unoffendable. Point number one is this. I hope you're writing it down. Point number one is unoffendable people have more free time. If you're a person who works to be unoffendable, you'll have more free time. Here's why I can say that. I know these are pretty practical, but here's why I can say that. Maybe for you, you're a lot like me. The theme song of my life comes from John Mayer, and it's called My Stupid Mouth. And the song goes like this, my stupid mouth got me in trouble. I said too much again. And he goes on to talk about like, he just can't stop talking. And so that's the theme of my life. I did a good job, right, Daniel? I mean, can I, do I pass? All right, good. Thank you. I don't feel it. I don't feel it. So I'm first in line to be like, you know what? I love a good debate. I love a good argument. I, sometimes I'll like fight with people and, and I'll be taking a side I don't even believe in. I just like to argue. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm the first one to be like, hey, I am the sucker for falling in it. Not so much anymore because it, it really you have to understand your testimony, especially on social media. It really matters, you know, when you go on there. So, so I've gotten better. But um, but man, to jump in there and get into the thing, that's certainly a thing. But here's what I've also begun to learn. It takes a lot of time to fall into all of those traps of every social media post. You're going you're gonna to fix somebody. You're going to correct them. Unoffendable people have more time because here's what I would fall into, and many of you too. Five o'clock rolls around, you get home, you got a family at home, you got kids at home, dinner's going to be on the table in a little bit. So you sit down for just a second, you open your phone, you pull open Facebook, and there's something offensive ah, I can't believe they posted that. That is so stupid. That doesn't even make sense. Oh, I'm going to get them. So you get out your fat fingers and you open the comment section and you're going to fix the world today, right? <laughs> so stupid. Exclamation parts, caps, locks, like everything. And you're getting them. 
we're laughing because it's true. So you're going to get him. So then you post it, and you're like, ha, I got him. Like, I fixed him. So then what do you do the next several minutes? Do you think you're thinking about your kids, your wife, dinner, any of that stuff? No, you're waiting for someone to say something. So you are offended, and you're stuck in that phone. So a half hour goes by. Oh, look who finally commented. See if they have anything intelligent to say. Oh, my gosh. Okay, and then now you got to rebuttal that. So you go on there, and you got something else to say to that, and then you close it up, and now you are disconnected at dinner. You haven't connected with the kids at all. You've spent three hours of your night. So now you check later. All right, let's see what they said to that. Oh, looks like their friend Betsy commented. How about you, Betsy? Got something for you, Betsy, or for me, someone will use a scripture way out of context. Oh, about to show you how this scripture actually works. You get sucked right into the whole thing. So you get some, and then the worst part too is you get on there and you start looking, and then their friends start liking their stuff and not your stuff in the comment section. How do they have 11? You know, and you're just, and the worst part with, with, with the worst part with the friend, and I'll talk about this in just a minute, is the friend goes on there and then you get even more mean to the friend because you don't know the friend. You have no relationship with the friend. And so you get even uglier. And so on social media, we've gotten so venomous because we don't have a relationship, makes it easier to be more hateful. Are you with me? So, and then what always happens to me is I'll do the whole thing and I'll have the whole fight and then finally get to the end. I'm like, see, look at, I got them. And they go on and just delete the whole thing anyway. No one can see the whole night. They ended up taking the whole thing down. I have no victory, but here, but here's the deal. Here, here's the deal. You know what the better option is? I ruined my whole night, all worried about her. And I'm, and I'm really not that way anymore because I let my kids do my Facebook. But, but here's the deal. You can ruin your whole night. Or you could come home at 5 o'clock and have your wife and kids at home and dinner almost on the table. And you could open Facebook and see something offensive and go, and then just do the sweet Southern, bless their heart. <laughs> Say a prayer, close your Facebook, and go enjoy your family. And go enjoy your kids. And go have clarity of your mind and go spend time on things that actually matter. Can I get an amen? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5:15 says this: be very careful then how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. What is it talking about doing? What are we being, what are we being wise doing? Making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. The days are evil, and you're gonna have the opportunity to waste time and waste it on things that are evil and corrupt and obnoxious. So it says, be careful how you're spending your time. It says, therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. There's evil. There's ridiculousness. I would even say this, like much of the world has even lost logic. You're going in there and you're trying to straighten somebody out on something and no one's even playing the game of logic anymore. It's an evil time. It's a foolish time for us to be going on and thinking we're going to get in this debate and have this argument and do all this kind of stuff. Now, I'm not saying we, we stop standing up for the truth. Absolutely stand up for the truth and be the light and engage things when you need to engage them. But this foolishness, the stupid stuff, come on. It's time for us to be wise with what we're doing with our days because I don't think it's possible for us to change people on social media. I don't have a testimony. I've been in ministry for 20 years of my life, and the whole social media thing has been a part of my ministry. I never had anybody come up to me and be like, you know, Pastor, I just got to tell you, you really changed my life with that meme the other day. <laughs> never. And it's not working for you either. So let's find intelligent ways for us to be able to engage. Point number, so point number one, you got a lot more time in your life. 
if you're an unoffendable person. And number two is this, unoffendable people are well-rested. Pastor, that's not a spiritual point. Why do you even put that in there? Well, the scripture says, don't let days, don't let the night, don't let the sun go down on your anger, on your wrath, on your offense, on your bitterness. Why? Because it's hard to sleep when you're angry, isn't it? You ever gotten an argument? You're, you're so mad. And then you get, well, I'm going to bed. It's the dumbest thing you can say in an argument. Well, you're going to go to bed because you're not going to fall asleep. You're mad. The worst part is actually when you're annoyed or offended with somebody and they don't know it. And so you're offended, you're mad, they upset you, and then you go to bed, and they're next to you in bed just sleeping so good. Just like, they're like, because they're, they don't know, and you're just like, Ugh. angry people, put it in your notes, this is super spiritual, like angry people don't sleep good. I'm telling you the truth. That's why the scripture, hey, don't let the sun go down. Don't let the sun, so when you're in an argument in your marriage, don't let the sun go down on your fight, on your bitterness, on your thing. That's caused Jess and I to have many nights without sleep because it took us days to figure things out. We just, scriptures, you guys. Why did it fail twice, Daniel? Like, I was like, I'll clean it up. Yeah, it's the timing. Daniel, he's my, he's my guy. We were, anyway, it doesn't matter. I feel like I got to just teach you this. The scripture said, don't go to sleep when you're in a fight. I said, therefore, we've had many sleepless nights, like we fought for days. Anyway, okay, all right. Whatever. The pastor in third service will get it for you. Don't worry about it. But honestly, why does the scripture say that? The scripture actually, it's because it's a quality of life thing. It's not good for your body to go days and days and days in bitterness. It's saying, hey, before you go to bed, before you recharge yourself, you need to fix some things in your life because holding on to offense and bitterness and gritting your teeth and being angry and holding all these headaches all the time, it's not good for you. So I know it's practical, but I'm telling you, the scripture is like, look, unoffendable people, like they get better rest and it's better for your body. The scripture calls us to be good stewards of this temple of our body, what we're called to do. And one of the ways that we do that is we don't hold on to offense. Can I get an amen? Point number three. Unoffendable people have better friendships. This one's a hard one for me to explain, but unoffendable people have better friendships. Listen, if you're a nitpicker person, husbands, don't elbow your wife. If you're somebody who nitpicks everything, some of you know people like this. You could have had the best day ever. Everybody's saying, I have the best day. And you got that one person who always has to say something negative. They always got to have something ill to say about the day. They always got to be, they're always offended. Nothing's ever good enough for them. Anybody know anyone like that? <laughs> and so you could have all this good stuff. And then and they're, they're, an offended, they're, they're an offended person. They're always upset. They're always, you can't keep good relationships is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. If you're a person who's always nitpicking, always looking for the negative, always to the, are you with me? Yeah. What I'm trying to say is this, if you want healthy relationships, life-giving relationships, like if you actually want to get the invite to the things, don't be such an offendable person. Don't be such a negative person. Some of you can't figure out why I don't got no friends and no one ever invites me anything. I don't ever hang out. With, I don't have any quality friendships. Well, what do you bring to the atmosphere? You guys know the old, don't be a wet blanket, right? <laughs> like, and part of it is like what we look at. Um, I think this is sermon content for another week, but I'm going to spoil it right now. Imagine in this room right now, if I said, okay, we're going to do this test. And I said, hey, uh, everybody in this room for the next 12 seconds, I need you to look all around the room and I want you to notice every, um, everything that's black. I need you to, which there's a lot in this room, right? In the cave we're in. But notice everything that's black. I need you to make it. So in, in 10 seconds, I'm going to ask you to, by name, name all the things that are the color black in here. 
And so uh, I would do that. We would all take 10 seconds. I'd be like, okay, everybody name all the things. You'd have a list of the things that you memorized that were black. But before I asked you, hey, tell me all the things that are black in here, right before I asked you to do that, I said, okay, now, without looking around, you, you got your 10. Everybody got your 10. All right, now name me three green things. You wouldn't be able to name me any green things. Why? Because you weren't looking for green things. You see what you want to see is what I'm trying to say. So many of us are going into these relationships. I'm going to get offended. I'm offended. They're going to say something stupid. I'm going to hate this, right? You know I don't like doing this. And we go in and we get all offended and we're all caught. And guess what you go in and see? My worry is that that's how we're approaching the lost. And that's how we're approaching the world is all we're looking for is the negative. All we're looking for is the stuff that's not right and the stuff that's not working and the stuff that if we could come in and look for the positive, are you with me? That's why the scripture says this in 1 Peter 4, 8, it says, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't say, hey, sin all you want. Love's going to cover that. It works like this. Hey, we're going to believe the best about you. We're going to cover you in love first, and then we're going to work out the sin part later. I think way too often we just deal with the facts, the sin. Well, those are the facts. These are the sins. This is the problem. No, how about we come to the table and we say, what's really going on here? Let's let love first figure it out, and then we'll handle the other things later. That's a good spot to say amen, friends. <laughs> come in and go, hey, what's really going on here? What, how, how can love be the healing thing? And then we'll work out the other parts later. I think it's the same thing in our relationships. We go, hey, um, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be a person who comes in and nitpicks everything and is always offended at all. No, I'm going to come in and give life to these relationships. I mentioned it just a minute ago, which is it's harder on social media because we don't have relationships with many of these people or we're not sitting face to face with them. Uh, I have a friend in my life. I can't say her name, but I've known her for about 20 years. She's uh, a bit older than me, but, um, we are the opposite person. Uh, I love her dearly, but we are the opposite person. Uh, her, her political views, her life views. I'm a Christian. She's not a Christian. I mean, we literally could not be any different. And if I didn't have a relationship with her, I would absolutely fall victim to blowing up her Facebook. <laughs> but it's just interesting. I see things that are put in statements that are made, and I'm just like, but then I don't. You know why I don't? Because I have relationship. I have the understanding that love covers a multitude of sins, and therefore it allows me to operate out of grace. If we would stop trying to make all our statements through social media and all these other kind of things, and we actually just got in relationship with people and we heard their stories and love would cover a multitude of sins, I think we'd be a lot further along. Can I get an amen? Point number four, unoffendable people trust God to avenge them. Unoffendable people trust God to avenge them. Revenge or uh, payback is not your job. If we believe that God is our heavenly father, and as fathers, you know, he's our father in heaven, then how many you know that God is absolutely going to defend you? There's no case in any scenario that I would overlook the opportunity to defend my kids. As a dad, if somebody did something wrong and they lied about and they cheated on and they, they, they bent things against my kids, I would absolutely, as the Heavenly Father, step in and say, yeah, that's not going to happen here. And I would avenge them, wouldn't I? The Heavenly Father, our Heavenly Father does the same thing. We get so caught up in defending ourselves. No, they're lying. No, that's not true. I need to go fix it. And we go in and we manipulate this and we do that and we bend and we all in our own hand. But Romans 12, 18 says this. 
If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. Payback's not your job. You walk in the will of God. You walk in the righteousness of God. You walk in what God's called you to do. And all the other things coming against you, God will handle for you. If you get anything today, that whole grind of, oh, I got to fix it. I got to straighten it. God will do it for us. Point number five is unoffendable people love God's word. Unoffendable people love God's word. Psalm 119, 165 says this, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Great peace is promised of you if you're somebody who's in God's word. And it also says that nothing will offend you. Why? Because you understand who's in charge when you read the word. You understand the one who's actually in control. You, want the one, you, you understand who's actually leading the nation, who's actually leading the world, who's actually leading the stock market. Don't you understand what I'm trying to say? And so you can get in his word and fall in his word and go, you know what? I can have great peace because I love his word and I'm in his word and it allows me to not walk in offense. Whenever you're in a spot where offense is rising and you're becoming more offended and you're getting more irritable and you're losing your grace and you're losing your love for other, I would challenge you. It's probably because you're getting low in your reading of the word. I get irritated and I get, a, you know, I get in myself about things, but then, oh, you turn on that worship song and you renew your mind. You go, you know what? God's got this. Or you get in the scripture and you just begin to remind yourself, I don't got to fix this. God's got this. And you walk pure and you walk true. That's the way. So love God, loving God, loving his word keeps us from being unoffendable. Point number six, because being offended is such a distraction. We're talking about being distracted. Point number six, unoffendable people are compassionate. Unoffendable people are compassionate. Um, I hate hanging out with my mother-in-law. And... um, (laughs) I mean, in this context, I'm sorry. I mean, in this context, she's back here. She's back here. I'm kidding. I'm, I'm just teasing. You guys know I play that way. Uh, in this context, here's what she does. She's a counselor. She's a Christian counselor. And, um, and so she's so grace filled and compassionate filled. And so there'll be times in my life where I'm like, oh, something will happen. Something will go wrong. And I'm like, I'm, I'm going to get them. Like, this is it. Enough's enough. I'm going to, this is, I'm going to, and she's a counselor. She's like, well, Josh, she's like, you remember when you were that way? (laughs) Well, Josh, you know, she starts talking like about compassion. Well, we've all kind of messed that up that way one way or another, haven't we? And I'm like, I don't care. I want to get them. (laughs) I could say this. And she's like, well, but someone could have said that against you too. I'm like, whatever. Glad I don't pay for these services. <laughs> Ecclesiastes 7:21 says it like that as well. It says, "Do not pay attention to every word you do not pay attention to every word people say, or you may hear your servant cursing you. For know in your heart that many times you yourself have cursed others. We hold people to such a high standard that we don't hold ourselves to. I can't believe that they would. Well, you do too. Hurt people hurt people. We all have our shortcomings. Nobody's perfect. And so if we can get into a position of compassion where we're understanding that nobody's perfect and we're going to show compassion and we're going to give grace, uh, then I think we're a lot better off. There's always more to other people's story. There's always more to the situation than just what you're seeing. So we need to walk in compassion. Point number seven, unoffendable people care more about healing over holding on. 
unoffendable people care more about seeing healing happen than holding on to their right or wrong. Matthew chapter 5, verse 23 says this, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar, speaking of coming to church, coming to the synagogue at this time, coming to the temple, therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. It doesn't say finish the service. It doesn't say get through the thing. It says in the moment, if you understand you're walking in an offense with somebody and you're worshiping, it says leave your thing and go and fix it. Be reconciled to your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. Why? Because the understanding is this. It's hard to be in communion with God in conflict with a brother or sister. It hinders our worship. It hinders our ability to hear from God. Now, listen, I'm going to say, look, it's impossible. Some of you are like, I'm never going to be able to come back to church if I got to fix it with everybody. <laughs> and that's not what I'm saying. What I'm, it's, it's, it, you're right. It's never going to be perfect with everybody. But what you do when you come to the altar is you do need to understand. You need to come to the altar of a place of, of going like, God, I've tried with everyone. I'm good with everyone. I've had the conversation. I've made the attempts. I've, I've gotten wise counsel, and I've tried to go to people and bring restoration and healing and have conversation. If you've done all that you know to do, then you're good. But if you're saying, oh, no, that person, I'm never going to try to, then the scripture says, go and fix it before you come and worship. Can I get an amen? amen. Last one is this, point number eight. I'll close with this. Unoffendable people are a great witness to the world. Unoffendable people are a great witness to the world. Um, we are called to love and show the same amount of grace to the world and to others as God gave us, which is endless, right? And so the testimony that we can be to the world when, hey, I can't believe, you know, because the, the, the point is unoffendable people are a great witness to the world. How? Because the world is going to be like, why didn't you squash them in that business deal? Why didn't you rake them over the coals? Why didn't you get them on that? Why didn't you get... And your testimony can be like, oh, Grace, I'm not perfect either. And I'm, and I'm not saying in every business deal you should be the sucker in. I'm just saying there's seasons where however God's calling you, you can be a great witness to the world by the way that you're walking free of offense, free of this bitterness, free of the... You know how it is. You're in the neighborhood and the neighbors are coming over and everybody's like, rah, about all the things. And you're like, yeah, I'm not letting it get in me. I trust God, right? Yeah. And you're showing them how to live in a scared time. It's that whole statement about in a scary time, like the world needs a fearless church. That's what we need to be. Yeah. Ephesians 4, 31 says this, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. It says, be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. So let's get rid of all of the fighting, the anger, the scorekeeping, the, all of the belittling, all of the things that we do, and do what? Forgive the way Christ forgave us. Give grace the way Christ gave us. 2 Timothy 2.23 says this, don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments. Stupid is in your Bible. Don't have anything to do with foolish and stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels. And the Lord's servant must be must not be quarrelsome, must be kind to everyone, able to teach, and not resentful. Here's the problem when we get suckered in to offense and the fighting and the getting each other. The, the problem is it always ends at the bottom floor. You look back on it, you're like, oh, I wish I wouldn't have went that low with that. I can't believe that I said that. Oh, gosh. That's why it's saying don't get in the foolish and stupid arguments. Stay away from these quarrels. 
Why? Because they're not good. They're not a good testimony. They're not going to get a witness. They're not going to witness the way you need to. They're not going to get the point across. Let your light shine. Walk in the way that you're called to walk. That's the testimony the world is waiting to see. Can I get an amen?